y'all. It's Lens. This is episode 36 of the podcast Oddly Adulting. And I am telling no lies when I tell you that I sat down to my computer and I opened Audacity to start this episode. And it took me a, at least a minute or two of hard, concentrated thought to figure out A, when the last time I podcasted was, and B, what I was even podcasting about. (laughs) That tells you how much life and material in my life has passed through my brain since the last time I sat down to this microphone. I can't even remember if I mentioned, I probably didn't, because when I finally did remember that the last time I sat down to record, I was talking about homeschooling and I had done two episodes in a row about homeschooling. Um, I'm not even sure I mentioned the fact that we had an upcoming trip planned, but we did at that point in time, we had a trip planned and I am now home from that trip (laughs) and I am ready to tell the tale. Uh, even if it, it, it evokes, invokes, evokes, even if it evokes some PTSD, I'm ready. I want to tell it while the tale is fresh in my mind. So episode 36, I'm going to treat y'all to some stories from our hashtag epic road trip of 2020. Now, if you've been listening since the beginning of Oddly Adulting, you may remember that last year around this same time was when I started the podcast, which if I was like a semi-organized person, I would have figured out when my podcasting anniversary was and I would have like come up with some kind of little ditty about that, but I I didn't. And so I don't, (laughs) I don't know when my anniversary was. Maybe I'll know that before my next episode. I don't know. Uh, But around this time last year, I was fresh off of the hashtag epic road trip of 2019. And I tried, um, I tried telling y'all about it. And my story was interrupted by an enormous palmetto bug slash cockroach, which I affectionately named Cotton Eye Joe because where did he come from? Where did he go? I wasn't sure. Um, hoping not to have anything like that happen tonight. I'm kind of like cautiously optimistic that now that I'm in the laundry room, um, last year I was recording in my husband's office and he's kind of a raccoon of a person. He's sort of a trash panda. And so, um, you know, it makes sense that a cockroach would hang out in his office, but, um, it's nice and clean in here. So I think it's, I think it's safe. But I, um, I told a little bit about our trip last year, which last year, we was the first time we had attempted a trip of this magnitude, which is that we hitched up our camper to our geriatric suburban and we headed west and we ended up that last year in Wyoming at Yellowstone. That was the farthest west that we got. So I think it was like episode six, maybe. Um, I'm having a hard time remembering. I, You know, like I said, if I was a super organized, I would have gone back and like reviewed that or something. But at any rate, we had a, we had a good enough trip last year that we planned another trip this year. So I have friends who follow the podcast and who are my friends on social media. And so throughout the time that we were gone on this road trip this year in 2020, you know, I was posting pictures and updates of where we were on the road. And when we got to the end of the trip, which it was epic for completely different reasons this year than last year, um, I had a friend who was like, okay, tell me you're going to be podcasting about this. I mean, she knows me well. She knew I was going to podcast about it regardless. But she said, if you don't, if you're not planning on it, you know, or if you don't know exactly what you want to say, you know, I have questions. I'd be happy to provide you with the list. And I said, hit me with it. So, Amy, you are the inspiration and the brains and the producer. You are producer number one behind this episode because without your um, expansive, I didn't want to say exhaustive because that sounds that gives the wrong tone. I love that you sent me all these questions because this totally gave me, um, this gives me direction because, you know, you guys know me. I can just talk 
And I do. That's sort of what I do is I just like talking to the void. So um, Amy's list of questions is going to serve as a roadmap. (laughs) Oh, wow. That was a good pun for this episode about our epic road trip of 2020. Before I get all into that, if you are relatively new here because someone sent you to my podcast from um, the episodes that I recorded about homeschooling, I hope that homeschooling, aka COVID schooling, aka virtual schooling, whatever version of schooling you're doing with your people, um, I hope it's going well. I hope that um, something I said was useful. If not, I hope you found someone else useful to listen to. But if you would love, I would love to, if you would like to, I would love to receive some feedback and hear how everyone's school year is going or fall is going or whatever it is that you're into right now. And you can always get in touch with me at oddlyadulting at gmail.com. You can also find me on the website. Uh, I may have comments disabled there because I get weird spam, but um, my email address is also there. Or you can find me on Instagram. I usually make a post about each episode. You could comment there. Um, my handle on Instagram is at oddly adulting as well. And if you know me in in real life, you know how to get a hold of me. So feel free to use any of those platforms. Oh, you guys may hear, I have a new chair. Can you hear that? Let me see if I can make it creak again. There it is. Yes. I got a new chair. Um, quick sidebar. My old chair that I used to sit on in here was not a chair at all. It was a stool. And it was a really cute little stool. It was um, a vintage sewing stool from probably like, it kind of looked like maybe 60s, 70s, like mid-century vibe. Okay, literally nothing in my house is mid-century. And so it always, even though I want to be cool, I want to be someone who's cool who can have mid-century furniture. I'm just not cool. And so anytime I have tried to bring a mid-century modern piece of furniture into my home, it just sticks out like a sore thumb. It's so sad. And I just feel, I just feel bad for it. And I feel like self-conscious about it for it. And so I've kept the stool. I kept the stool around way, way longer than I ever should have because it was so cool because it opened up and it had all these places where you could put your spools of thread and it was neat and it was multitasking and all that. But honestly, it just never, it never quite fit in here. And sidebar, it was terribly uncomfortable. It had no support. So a couple weeks ago before we left on our trip, my mom mentioned to me that she had come across two or three. I think she sent one to my sister, but she came across some of my grandmother's dining room chairs that were extra and that had been put into storage. And did I want some? And I said, yes, please. So I got two of the chairs and one of them is sitting at my desk in my room. And the other one is sitting here in the laundry room at the computer station, um, where the kids do math and where I podcast. So if you hear a little, um, vintage creak, you can just think about the fact that I am reclining very comfortably on, um, my grandma's dining room chair. So it just, you know, also probably ignore that because it's probably annoying to hear in the background, but anyway, I digress. So I'm here tonight to talk about the epic road trip and more in a more focused way, I'm going to specifically answer the questions that producer Amy posed to, um, the group. And I'm, I think that that's the best way, um, that I can just tell the tale. So, um, let's just dig in, shall we? She gave me 12 questions, which is plenty. As y'all know, I tend to be long-winded. Hopefully I can keep it succinct. Okay, question number one. What was the main reason for your trip? I probably missed this somewhere along the way, but why did you go and where were you planning to go? Okay, so what was the main reason for our trip? The main reason for our trip was that we enjoyed our two-week family road trip last year so much that we wanted to do another one. So that was the impetus for planning another two-week trip. We were planning originally when we got home from our trip last year and we had seen, well, we felt we had seen like, wow, we've really gone west. We've seen all there is to see. We thought, you know what would be cool? Now that we've gone west, let's try going east. So we live 
in the South and we haven't done a whole lot of traveling up the East Coast. There's a lot of land in between here and, say, Maine that we have never traveled through. And so we actually planned a trip to Maine. We planned to go, we were going to be on the road for two weeks. And the sort of final destination was to be Acadia National Park. And we were going to spend five days in Acadia. And so we were going to take about five days to get there. And then we we're going to stay about five days. And then we we're going to spend about five days coming home. Well, COVID. Yeah. So COVID happened. And in probably, I think it was the beginning of May, we sat down with our friends that we had, that we were planning our trip with. And we were like, all right, realistically, does it look feasible for us to go to Maine, because as you know, the Northeast, um, area of the country, first of all, we were supposed to, we had like eight or nine nights planned in New York state. Well, at this point in the pandemic, you know, New York state was effectively shut down. In fact, I think they still have some travel restrictions in place, but basically we took a look at the national landscape and we said, you know, it feels like it's kind of a risky plan to continue to plan to go up until this area. And so when we had still plenty of time left over to make plans or change plans in May, we ultimately decided, okay, let's put that trip on pause. And so we actually were able to transfer because of the COVID situation. Most of the places where we had reservations, we were able to just transfer them to 2021. And so we have a plan to go do that original planned trip. We still plan to do that and we're just going to do it next year. So that left us with no plan for this year. And we still really wanted to go somewhere because you know what? Do you feel me? Like quarantine. I was tired of being at home. I was tired of being, even though I'm at home on purpose all the time, you know, I work from home. Chris works from home. We homeschool. Like I was ready to get, get gone. And so we thought, you know, given all of the options for traveling right now, this option of being able to basically pull a house behind our car that has a bathroom and a kitchen and all the conveniences that we would need, you know, this is basically the safest way that we can think of to go and travel during all these things that are going on. And so we pivoted and we decided, well, we may have gone west last year and we thought we had seen everything there was to see, but actually... We didn't see anything in the state of Colorado other than we spent one night in Denver and we were, we had so much fun. We parked in our, in my friend Dawn's driveway for the night. And so she and I got to catch up and the kids got to play and meet each other for the first time. And the husbands chatted and we all, you know, sat on the porch. It was great. It was a really, it was a really fun night, but we really didn't see any of Denver we or Colorado. We just drove straight through. So we pivoted our whole plan and we decided, let's see Colorado. So Colorado became the plan. And so this is a perfect segue into Amy's question number two. How planned were you? Did you have an idea of how long you'd be driving each day? And what about each stop? All right. So we planned a two-week trip. But when we sat down and we figured out, okay, well, it's this it's this far to Colorado. And then we have these destinations we want to hit in Colorado. How long do we really need? Because we don't love being in the car. You know, that's well, my husband does actually, (laughs) actually last year when we were all sharing our highs and lows from the, on the last night of the trip, we, we were in Arkansas and we had dinner with, it was just us family because our two families, we had broken off and gone separate directions to come home because they had stuff they wanted to see up in, um, I think Wyoming, maybe Nebraska. And we had, um, important business. We wanted to see the little house, um, historical site in Kansas. So we made plans to divert and come home by a different route. So anyway, we, it was just our family and we asked what everybody's high low was. And my husband's high was literally, he said all the driving. He loved the driving. That was not mine. (laughs) That was not the kids, but we, so as a group, as a communal group, there's nine of us total between the two families. The driving part is not the part we super love. So we don't typically love to have a bunch of long driving days in a row. 
Um, we're willing to pull some long days if it means that we get to somewhere that we really want to be. But um, the max number of hours, like the max number of travel car driving hours that I want to spend in a day is eight. We did one day last year to the, the very last day we left the Badlands and we drove, which is in South Dakota. And we drove all the way to Yellowstone. It was 11 hours. And I don't even know why it took that long. The map didn't say it would take that long. It just, that's how long it took. And it was miserable. So this year we were a little bit more mindful about paying attention to how long does the map think it will take for us to get there? How long do we realistically believe it will take to get there? And so we tried to break it up so that we would have maybe like kind of a short day and then maybe a long day and then maybe like a manageable day. Um, and so when you combine that with the fact that both myself and Jennifer are both planners, we're both type A, we like to have a plan, we like to know the plan, we like to execute the plan. We were very planned. Okay, to begin with, <laughs> I'm going to give a huge caveat here because... As with everything in 2020, you know, we should all be conditioned by now to expect the unexpected. But like, for example, I did not expect a wildfire to break out in the town where we had planned to stay for two nights on the Colorado River. And so we had to change plans at the, at the last minute, even when we were on the trip, um, we had to make plans. We had to change some plans along the way because of things that we discovered about, like, there was several active wildfires in Colorado at the time. And, like, one day you would check the DOT website and the highway would be open. And then the next day it would be closed because of smoke and uh, visibility was down. So at certain points during the trip, it did become very, like day to day and we just were planning, you know, we didn't really know exactly what the plan would be. But to begin with, and our preference is to be very planned, to know we're going to spend this night here, we're going to do this, we're going to spend this night here. And Jennifer and I both go out of our way to double check things like every park that we plan to go to. So we had the main places that we plan to hit were Rocky Mountain National Park, um... What was the next one? Glenwood Canyon. That was the stop we had to change because of the fire. Then Black Canyon of the Gunnison. Then we had planned to drive the Million Dollar Highway between Ore and Telluride. Uh, we had planned the Great Sand Dunes National Park. We planned Mesa Verde National Park. And trying to think of what the last one, it seems like I'm leaving off one big one. That was our original plan. Our, by the time our final plan came to pass and we had to change things on the fly, it really ended up really great. You know, in hindsight, I wouldn't change any of the way that it turned out because we got to see so many neat places and we got to do several things that we're like, one of our favorite things that we all did um, wasn't even in our original plan, but because of the different diversions that we had to take because of wildfires and because of, well, and then like we got on the, we got, um, I don't know if we had gotten on the road or if it was a couple of days before we left, we discovered when, cause she and I said, okay, you know, what is our plan for this week before we leave? And we said, let's call and double check that all of our reservations are correct. Um, cause when you're planning, I mean, we were going to be gone for 17 nights. When you're planning that many nights, there were several times when like numbers and dates were just swimming around in my head. And I was concerned that I had accidentally, um, double booked us or not booked us or something. So we started making all of these double checking all our reservations. And we discovered that Mesa Verde national park had actually been closed since we had made our plan to go there and they weren't doing any tours. And that was because of COVID, um, Mesa Verde is where they have the cliff dwellings and you can actually climb up into them and take tours, but it's very small spaces. You're having to go up little ladders and it's small groups of people or it's groups of people, um, you know, crammed into small places. And so they actually closed it for tours. I actually don't even know if they're open yet. I haven't checked recently. Um, so that was a plan that had to change, but to, to begin with, and our intention and our best preference is that we are very planned. 
we do like to have an idea of how long we'll be driving each day so that we can kind of stagger, like maybe we'll do a short day this day and then a long day the next day so that we don't string too many long days in a row. And we do have each stop typically planned very far in advance. And we plan those stops based around the places that we want to go, which leads us into number three. How did you choose campsites? Did you have particular requirements? Did you stay at state parks or other types of campsites? Choosing campsites, I'm not sure. um, I'm trying to think if I follow the same method every time, but it pretty much goes like this. First, we pick a place. Like we're going to go to Colorado. And then we pick a route. Okay, how are we going to get there? You know, this is the most direct route to get there. So what's along the way? And then we figure out, well, you know, if I want to drive about six hours this day, that gets me to X town. And so then that pretty much leads me to Googling, unless the park is the destination. Um, So Estes Park, for example, was our first destination in Colorado because that is where Rocky Mountain National Park is. So we searched Estes Park because we knew that's where Rocky Mountain National Park is. And so when you search for Estes Park, Estes Park campgrounds, and then you get your list and then you start kind of, um, researching your options from there. Um, we, the particular requirements I would say, are for us, I'm only speaking for us. So we travel with our friends. Our friends have a much bigger rig than us. Their rig requires a 50 amp connection to have all of their refrigerators and AC and all of that running like at full blast. We only require a 30 amp. So ours is a little bit more flexible. So I'm only going to talk about ours. So when I go to look for the requirements for a campsite, the bare minimum for us in order to maintain the level of comfort that makes camping not be a chore Um, is that we need water and we need electric. So with water and electric, that allows us to (coughs) use our bathroom, cook, all the good stuff. And a bonus, which makes it just like that next level of luxury and comfort, would be if there's a sewer hookup. If there's a sewer hookup at our website, website, oh my word, (laughs) campsite, you do not need a sewer hookup for your website unless what you're producing is trash. But umch. Okay. Uh, at your campsite, if you have a sewer hookup at your campsite, that means that you can just run your hose straight into the sewer in the ground. And then pa- setting up and packing up is super easy because when you're ready to leave, you basically just pull the, you pull the plug, you flush your tanks and you pack up and go. If you don't have a sewer hookup, it's a little extra work because what you have to do is you have to pack all your stuff up and then you have to drive to usually the right before the exit of the park and then they have a dump station and then you have to pull off into the dump station and you have to haul your sewer thing out and then you have to hook up your hose so you can rinse your tank out. And so I would say on average, it takes about 20 to 25 extra minutes at the dump station if we don't have a sewer hookup. So when we find campgrounds with sewer hookups, those are like the best. And I think everywhere except, I'm trying to remember, I feel like we only stayed, we stayed at one place at the beginning of our trip and we stayed at one place at the end of our trip. I think that was it. I think for the bulk of the sites that we stayed at this time, we were able to score sites with sewer. So it felt very easy to go from site to site. But water and electric are our minimum requirements in order to maintain, you know, the level of convenience that makes taking a long trip worth it. Now, when we go on short trips, we have camped without water and electric. Um, That's called boondocking. That's not my favorite, but I'll do it if, if like we're going somewhere really, you know, cool or pretty or... So we boondocked one time this summer because it was just horrifically hot. And we knew that if we could head up into the national forest, uh, like get up in some elevation a little bit, it would be a little bit cooler. And so Chris found a place for us to go and boondock and we ended up having to um, sleep with the door open. It was so hot. It didn't, we didn't end up cooling off as much as we hoped to when we went in the camper. Ultimately it was still kind of hot, but at any rate, um, 
yeah, those are our particular and preferred requirements. And for the most part, we, we prefer state parks, national parks, you know, nature. Like when we go camping, we're looking to be, we spend most of our time outdoors. You know, we have a tiny camper, so we're not trying to sit around inside the camper. We want to be outside. So we do usually prefer to stay at state parks. Uh, for this particular trip, I think it was about a 50-50 split as far as between state parks and RV parks. And both have their benefits and both have their drawbacks. You know, state parks tend to be a little more rustic. Um, you know, you're probably not going to get the same level of... Um, attention to detail in a state park. You might get a washer dryer. There might be a washer dryer available if you're lucky. Um, you know, your site might be a little bit like a little rough around the edges. There's not a lot of landscaping that goes on in a state park. In an RV park, on the other hand, it's usually a lot more. Oh, but with a state park, you get a much bigger, usually you get a much bigger site. So you can kind of spread out and you definitely feel like you're more in nature. At RV parks, it's definitely tighter quarters. Um, but it's usually more manicured. There's usually more amenities, you know, that kind of thing. So it's a trade-off, but, and then price as well. Some of the RV parks are almost double the price of what you would spend at a state park. I think our cheapest place we stayed was $23 a night. That was a state park. And then the most expensive place we stayed, I think it was 55 maybe, um, but that was in Estes Park. That was in the kind of the, you know, the most convenient. And that was the, that was an RV park near Rocky Mountain. So we split it 50-50. Um, when we're going on weekend trips, unless we're just going to a particular destination because there's some kind of activity we have to do there. And the only option is an RV park. We really prefer <coughs> state parks. Okay, number four. Did you have car entertainment? Yes. So gone are the days when we told our children that the DVD player in the car only worked on someone's birthday. <laughs> we really did do that. When we got our Suburban, it was the first car we'd ever owned with any type of DVD system. We had never had tablets or portable DVD players. We had none of that. This was the first vehicle that had any type of onboard entertainment. And we didn't want the kids to turn into little zombies, you know, like we wanted them to look out the window and know what was going on around them and like be able to say, oh, we're almost home because we turned on this road. So we told them that the DVD player only worked if it was someone's birthday. And at first they didn't question that. They didn't think that it w could even be someone outside the family. And so they'd be like, oh, you know, but then when it was their birthday, man, it was such a special deal. And I remember the very first movie we watched in the car, it was our oldest two. Um, they have the same birthday, but two years apart. It was their birthday and we were driving up to Tennessee to visit my grandparents. And we were like, guess what? It's your birthday so we can watch a movie. And we watched... The Little House on the Prairie movie on DVD. So that's a sweet memory. But gone are those days. Now are the days of like headphones and DVDs. Um, and so I did assemble um, a little entertainment bag for each of them. I got them each something like a word search or um, like a like a drawing book, you know, how to draw type book or a puzzle, something something that they had to use their brain to do. As well as like some new markers and, and a coloring book and things like that. Um, and then I got, um, I got my oldest daughter an embroidery kit. She had never tried embroidery before. So I got her a little kit so she could try that. She enjoyed having that to do in the back seat. <coughs> I also got them gum. My kids are total gum whores. They will chew gum all day long, all night long, um, one time, one of my friends that knew this about the kids gave my youngest a tub of 500 pieces of gum for her birthday, and they ate 500 pieces of gum in something insane, like 13 days. So, um, you know, send money for the dentist bills if you feel led. But I put gum in there, and um, I got my oldest a couple new books because she is my one that likes to read in the car. The other two don't like to read in the car. They say it gives them a stomach ache, but... Um, 
she will read in the car and be happy. So yes, we do entertainment in the car and a large portion of that now at this stage of the game, when they are 12, 10 and seven, it, I do, I do allow DVDs. Um, I really, (coughs) you know, in my ideal world, I wouldn't let them just zone out to a DVD, but when you're covering as many hours in the car as we do, when we take these trips, like last year, it was 32 hours one way. Um, this year I actually didn't count, especially because the end of our trip, um, I'm getting to that part of the story, but the end of our trip got extended by a significant amount. And so I stopped counting all things (laughs) by the end of the trip. So I'm sort of at the point of acceptance that, car entertainment keeps us all happy. It keeps us all sane. And that does involve DVDs. But for me and Chris's sake, it does also involve headphones. Last year, we did not have headphones and we had to listen to whatever movie they were watching. So we would only let them watch one movie a day. This time we had headphones and we didn't care what they were watching because we didn't have to hear it. So I think they went through something like 14 movies, probably. Um, But this is so funny. This is just shows their personality, their favorite movie was Hello, Dolly. They watched it probably four times. (laughs) All right, moving on. Number five, food. Did you bring stuff? Cook at sites? Go out? Yes, food and planning for the food is a huge part of mine and Jennifer's preparations. Mine? That is not the right my preparations, Jennifer and my preparations, my and Jennifer preparations. I don't know what the the correct grammatical structure is for that statement, but ultimately what I'm trying to say is that Jennifer and I are food planners for sure, because she is feeding three boys between her husband and her two sons. She is feeding three boys and that is expensive. Like, no joke. You can't take three boys out to eat and keep any of your money. So we plan meals. So the way we do it, which I think works great for two different reasons, um, is that basically we just split the meals. We decided, okay, we're going to be gone for 17 nights. We decided that we would plan meals for 12 of those nights. So she would take six and I would take six. And then the remaining meals we would either do clean out the cupboard, leftover smorgasbord, or we would go out. And that worked out perfectly. So I only had to plan six dinners. I thought, of course, my trip turned out a little differently than I expected, but I planned six dinners Now, I have to be a little more strategic than she does. She has a full residential-sized fridge freezer in her fifth-wheel camper. So she was able to load up the freezer, load up the fridge. She did not go to the grocery store one time the entire time we were shopping, I don't think. Oh, no, wait. I take that back. She did go one time. But the stuff she needed, it was like a handful of things. And it was really mostly just stuff for the ride home. So she totally has an advantage over me. I, on the other hand, um, have only an under-the-counter fridge, and it has a freezer-like compartment inside of it, but not a separate door, separate, you know, substantially-sized freezer. So I have to be a lot more strategic. So whereas she is able to plan meals that have a lot more fresh things, she does salad usually at some point, um, and she can pack all of that at home and really saves a lot of money because she doesn't have to shop on the road. I have to pretty much, I plan three meals that I can bring all the stuff from home. My first three meals, I can bring everything from home. And then I plan my second three meals to pull from some perishable stuff that I can pack along with us. I keep some of my food under um, one of our bunks. There's a big storage area. So I put a lot of perishable stuff under there. And then um, certain things I will need to shop for on the road. So the types of meals that I plan because I have the limited freezer and fridge space is I'll plan stuff like red beans and rice. Um, and then really the only fresh thing I have to bring for that is like an onion, a pepper, and I can freeze the sausage so that it's ready to go whenever I want to cook it. And, but then the rest is like rice and canned beans and stuff. So I'll plan things like, um, 
like beans and rice. What was another one? Oh, another one that we love to make on the road is Hoppin' John, which is another rice. It's it's like a different take on rice and beans, and it uses um, breakfast sausage, black-eyed peas, um, rice, celery, onion, that kind of stuff. And then Jennifer is kind enough to let me use the oven in her camper, and I made a pan of cornbread. Um Another thing we did was, let me think, what was another meal? Oh, wait, wait, I don't have to guess. Oh, I knew there was a reason I brought this honkin' huge. Okay, so I have a notebook. (laughs) This is how much of a planner I like to be. I have a notebook. When we start planning one of these big trips, I have this notebook and I have all these tabs and whenever I find information, I put it in here. So my tabs say reservations, expense trackers, that's where I keep it, track of all of our gas receipts and food receipts. Then I have a tab for meals. I have a tab for activities, one for campground maps. Cause I collect those along the way and I keep them in case we ever go back. I'll know I'm, I walk through the campground. I always make notations on which site looks good and which site looks terrible. Then I have a tab for maps and park info. Then I have a tab for where I keep our travel insurance policy information. Then I have an extra tab back here that's not being used. Okay, so let me flip over to the meals tab. Here were the meals I planned. I planned tacos. We do walking tacos. Have y'all ever had these? You take a little miniature, a small bag of chips, and you crush them up, and then you actually put all your taco stuff inside the bag, and then you just eat out of the bag like a horse. It's awesome. The kids love it. So I planned walking tacos, and I also brought half of a watermelon and a cinnamon roll cake that I had cooked at home. Then my next meal that I did was um, Sloppy Joe's, and I made the Sloppy Joe meat at home and then froze it. So all I had to do was thaw it, and I actually think I carried that one in the cooler, so it was already thawed by the time it was time for us to eat it. And then we just had, like, easy sides. I made a fruit salad, and I got, um, I buy these jars of green bean salad at Costco that are delicious. So we had a jar of green bean salad, we had barbecue chips, we made s'mores. Um, then my next meal was chicken fajitas and that one I bought on the road because I knew it was pretty well guaranteed that no, like no matter where I am in the country, I will be able to find chicken, peppers, onions, tortillas. And I brought the seasoning from home. Um, then I had Hoppin' John and a pan of cornbread. And the last meal that I planned was chicken stir fry. And we actually never, actually never even cooked that meal because of what happened at the tail end of our trip, which I know I just keep teasing you, just keep teasing you about. But yes, to, to make a long answer longer, we plan our food strategically. We split the meals and... We cook almost every night. We also pack lunches anytime we're going out hiking or even for our travel days. We just pack lunches. There there are some times that we'll stop for gas and I'll jump in the camper real quick and slap some sandwiches together. Um, but we just find that we save a ton of money that way because think about it. Like our family, five people, even if we just go somewhere that seems quote unquote like cheap or easy, like, I don't know, Burger King Wendy's, it's still $20, $25 just to eat junk. So we just plan ahead. I just plan to bring the food with me. I have plenty of storage in the camper and that really works out. But we do enjoy going out because I don't know if y'all agree with us, but I feel very strongly that you have really not been somewhere unless you have had a meal there. That was our rule when we were traveling overseas. You did not get to count a country if you did not have a meal there. And so there was this one time that we were traveling through Croatia and we had to cross over into Bosnia. And the whole point of us going through all the rigmarole at the border was that we were like, we are going to eat somewhere in Bosnia because we can't count Bosnia if we don't eat here. So I feel very strongly about that. So we do always plan to eat out a couple of times. And so, um, we enjoyed it when we did do that. Um, but for the majority, we brought the food, we planned the food and we cook at our sites. I do most of my cooking outside because my camper is small. Jennifer does most of her cooking inside because her camper is huge and has like a pretty, it's like an apartment sized kitchen. Okay. Number six, what did you bring that you're so thankful you brought in hindsight? What could you have left at home? Um, 
I am very thankful that I brought multiple layers and types of clothes. So there was literally one day in Rocky Mountain National Park where when we started the day, we all had to have on like hats and fleece jackets. Later it rained on us. So we all pulled out our raincoats. And then at the end, it was 80 degrees summer weather and we were stripping down to our tank tops. Okay. So I was, I was very glad for all of the clothing that I brought. I was, I think the only person I overpacked for was me. And I think I slightly underpacked for my youngest because I had to wash her clothes the most often of everybody. It seemed like every time I turned around, she was out of clean clothes. So, um, I don't think you can ever regret bringing clothing options because just for me personally, if I'm uncomfortable, if I'm hot or if I'm cold and I have no other options or I'm wearing a sweaty shirt or, you know, a stinky bra or whatever, I'm just uncomfortable and cranky. So, um, very thankful that I brought all of the different clothing options that I did. Also the shoes, I made sure we all had a pair of something like sandals, something like walking shoes, just general type shoes, you know, that you could get out like for a quick stop in the car or whatever. Um, and then we all had something that we could hike in. So between all those things, we had it, we had us covered. In hindsight, what could I have left at home? Oh, I was so annoyed by this. We lugged this stupid, huge, heavy, I don't know why at some point we didn't take it out of the camper and put it on top of the car and just leave it there bungeed to the top. But we took this huge shade tent. And let let me tell you, like, let me tell you why we did this. Okay. We camp at least once a month, just about all year. There's really only like, I'm thinking the month of maybe February is the only month that we don't purposefully go out and try and camp. Right. And down here in our usual camping radius within a couple of hours, We are putting the shade tent up every time, but half the time we're putting it up because it's raining. And so this is where we really did not know anything about Colorado. When we were looking at our campsites, when we were making, we, you know, we'd find a campground that we were like in, and then we'd look at it on Google earth and we'd see, okay, you know, the sites look like this or the train looks like this. There was not a lot of shade. Like some of these campsites, you were literally just like on the, it looked like you were going to be camping on the face of the earth, no shade at all. And so here we are thinking like we're from the hot, you know, hot, sunny South and shade is always at a premium down here. So our shade tent gets a workout. It also gets a workout because of rain, but we really overestimated the amount of discomfort we would feel in the sun in Colorado. And so I know that this is so, this is such a cliche, um, but it is true. It is a dry heat. (laughs) I mean, I've never experienced before, uh, the feeling of sitting out not even, not even last year when we were in Wyoming of sitting out there and it being sunny and it being hot, like temperature wise, you're going, Oh, it's 90 something degrees and not being hot. It was amazing. And now I understand why so many people live in Colorado and why they're so happy there. The dry heat thing is not a joke. None of the places we went were miserable, even when they were boiling hot, like the face of the sun. No joke. Um, one of those places was Utah. So I'll tell this quickly because it kind of pertains to this whole idea of shade. So, um, our original plan was just to go to Colorado. We were going to take three days to get to Colorado. Then we were going to spend basically like 10, 11 days in Colorado. And then we were going to take three days to get home. So all of the bulk of our time was going to be in Colorado. Well, the very second stop we had planned in Colorado was first what we were supposed to be in Glenwood Canyon. We were going to be camping on the Colorado river and doing some hiking and fishing there. And that is where a wildfire broke out. And so the whole town, the, like the section of the interstate got shut down, town got evacuated. The campground actually got turned into like base camp for firefighters. So that was totally off the map. So we had to make a last minute change of itinerary. And what we decided to do was we decided to go way out of what we had been planning and to drive instead of going 
south and west into central Colorado, we decided to go from Rocky Mountain National Park and just go east, uh, not east, to go west and go to Dinosaur National Monument, which is actually in Utah. So that was fun because, A, we got to add another state to our list. We had never camped in Utah before. So that was fun. And B, it was just amazing. It turned out to be, I mean, at that point in our trip, it was one of my favorite things we had done. Getting to see the dinosaur bones and touching the fossils and just the whole deal. It was a, it was a really cool place. It's in the middle of nowhere. I don't know when or if we would ever find ourselves back in that portion of the country ever again. But I'm really glad we went there. Now, the campground we found to stay at there was called Outlaw Trail RV Park. And it's basically a parking lot. And the only bit of grass is when you first drive in. And they spend a lot of money with a sprinkler system keeping that grass alive. Because I'm telling you, I don't think that there was rain in the forecast for the entire month of August for that part of Utah. Um, But it's cool because it looks like a little oasis. Like you come over the hill and you've just been driving through the middle of nowhere. There's just nothing, 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 nothing. You come over the hill and you see this gorgeous like green ahead and you're like, oh, wow. It's, I mean, it looks, it looks like an oasis. They should call themselves the oasis really. Um, And you pull in and you're like, wow, grass. And then that's it. There's no more grass in the rest of the park. But this owner was awesome. So... And this was a last minute plan. Like we didn't have reservations for months in advance. We had reservations like maybe a week in advance. So when Jennifer called and said, Hey, listen, um, we're having to change our plan. We were supposed to be going to this place, but the fire. And so now we want to come here. Do you guys have two sites next to each other where we could set up with our friends that we're traveling with? And the owner said, Oh yeah, no problem. I got you covered. We'll see y'all when you get here. So we got there. Would you believe this lady? This is the kind of stuff that really makes a campground somewhere that you feel just like, you just feel glad to be there. Okay. When they do things like this. And it was such, it, it seems like a little thing, but it's really a big thing if you think about it for the campground anyway. So she knew we were traveling together and Jennifer had specifically requested, do you have two sites where we could set up next to each other? So not only did this lady make sure to give us the best sites in the whole campground because they were near to the front where the beautiful green oasis grass was and where the campground or where the um, playground was and where the bathhouse was and where the laundry room was. Not only did she give us the most premium sites, do you know what else she did? She actually let us take up three sites. Because what she did is she had us pull in one direction and then she had our friends circle around and pull in the other direction so that our two campers were facing each other. So the doors would open to face one another and our awnings could come out and completely cover the whole space in between in shade. And in order to do that, we actually had to take up three campsites because normally you would just be pulled in you know, one right next to another in these pretty narrow areas. She actually gave us three campsites for the price of one. And with our awnings out and with our fans going, you couldn't even tell it was 103 degrees because it was. It was 103 degrees. That was the hottest day of this year that I've entered into my temperature Afghan um, chart. Uh, But it just made such a huge difference. It made everything, it just made those two nights, those were two of like probably my favorite nights that we spent on the road. And so because we had this awesome little cozy setup of our two campers facing each other, we were able to set up um, our outdoor movie screen and projector. And we had a movie night, two nights in a row with the kids. And we watched the long, long trailer the first night which is an old Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz movie where they're taking a road trip to Colorado um, with this insanely huge um, travel trailer. It's really fun. And then um, the next one we watched, oh, I'm not going to be able to remember the name of the movie, but it had dinosaurs in it. It wasn't Jurassic Park. It was another one. It had, I think, Brendan Fraser in it. Journey to the Center of the Earth, maybe. I'd never heard of it. Or I think it was maybe the second one. At any rate. Those were just two of my, uh, when I think about the trip, I think really, I think back really fondly on those two because of how it all worked out. All right. That was a super, how did I even get on that topic? 
Oh, what could you have left at home? Yes. So I was in, in all of my thinking, I was really thinking that that shade tent was going to be like our ace in the hole comfort station. We did not open it one time. Not one time, but every time we got somewhere, we had to pull it out of the camper, store it under the camper, and then it was time to pack up. We had to pack it up, pull it up, and it stood in the middle of the camper the whole time, which made going in and out of the camper on the road so annoying. So that one, I really, I really regretted that. That one was annoying. Okay, tips and tricks. Um, this is too big of a topic for me to cover in this episode, so I am going to put an asterisk next to this one. And I'm going to come back to that at a later date because I have a lot of tips and tricks about camping, but none of them are really like jumping to the front of my mind about this trick or this um, trip in particular. So I'm going to put that one on ice. Okay. Next one. If you knew then what you know now, would you change anything? What would you do differently on a future trip? Okay. Uh, I think I already said it considering how everything turned out, um, I really wouldn't change anything because for one, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And so, um, I can look back and see that this happened that turned into this, but then that was good because of this. And so it's all very circular for me. Like, yes, a bunch of things happened that threw our original itinerary off, did not plan for all of that to happen. But all things considered, it turned out good. All's well that ends well, so I wouldn't change anything. Um, What would I do differently on a future trip? That one... Hmm. Again, there's really not... Like, there's no... From this particular trip, there was no gotcha that I thought to myself, okay, next time I'm definitely going to do this differently. But I will share a gotcha from last trip that, uh, that influenced my planning for this trip because it's in this, it's in the spirit of this question. So last time, so last year when we did our first Epic road trip, I had no idea how it was going to go. I didn't know if we would like the driving. I didn't know if we would like being gone from home that long. I didn't know how well it was going to go us sharing such a small camper together. You know, there were a lot more unknowns last year. And what I took away from last year's trip was that most of the things that I worried about were not issues at all. The kids were super troopers in the car. The sharing a small camper thing, except for a few little, you know, spats, which sibling spats occur at home on the road, doesn't matter. Um, really didn't have any issues about those kind of things. All the stuff that I was worried about, really none of it came to fruition. So when I was planning this trip this year, really the only thing, um, that I took with me into this trip that I thought I really want to do this differently is that just as we were with our friends planning the trip and planning the itinerary and like planning the driving days and the things like that. I just really, I thought about, okay, here's what worked well for us last trip. And I kind of tried to do a little more actively, like sort of that whole know thyself thing. So for example, here's one particular instance. Um, we discovered that our middle child, she, she really does not like hiking. Um, she will do it. Um, she doesn't have a terrible attitude the whole time. Like she doesn't make it miserable to be on a hike with her, but just if she were going to choose an activity, it would not be hiking just period. She just wouldn't choose hiking. Now, unfortunately for her, most of our trips involve hiking because we're going into nature. We're going to places where we want to see things that you can't get to in a car. So she is going to have to be resigned to a life of hiking with us. But knowing what I know now about her feelings about hiking, I really wanted to take kind of like a more active role in influencing our plans for things like that so that I wasn't, you know, setting her up to have just like a miserable day. So there was one place which in the end. So this is where the like all's well, the ends well thing comes in. Um, we had planned to be in Glenwood Canyon and we were going to be camping at this really cool campground right on the Colorado river. And because our camper was smaller, we were actually able to get a spot right on the river. Our friends have this big, huge camper. So they had to stay in a different section of the park and they weren't going to get to be on the river, but we were going to be right on the river. And one of the attractions in the area 
is a place called Hanging Lake, and it's super popular. And with COVID restrictions, you have to get a timed entry pass to go, you know, like you have to be there. If your entry pass says 6 a.m., you have to go at 6 a.m. So they were really interested in going to this and doing this hike. Well, the only entry passes that were available were at literally 6 a.m. And I thought to myself, you know what? I bet that lake is beautiful. I bet it's beautiful at 6 a.m. Getting to watch the sunrise over the mountain in Colorado, that's going to be a special experience. But I know my child. I know she does not love mornings. I know she does not love camping. I mean, hiking. She likes camping. I know she does not like hiking. So for this particular activity, I'm going to opt out and I'm going to say, y'all have fun. You enjoy. Go do that as your family thing. We're not going to ask our honey badger child who loves to sleep in and doesn't love hiking. We're not going to get her up at 6 a.m. So that sort of stuff, um, just having had the experience of last year and kind of learning, you know, like what our family dynamic is like on the road versus what their family dynamic like is, is like, um, that made it easier to sort of, um, steer the plans this year. So that's my roundabout answer. What I would do differently on this trip was things that I learned from the last trip and going into a future trip. I just want to continue to do that. I felt like we made good choices. We made choices that lined up with, you know, our family's kind of camping style and things like that. So going into a future trip, I would just continue, continue to consider that whole know thyself, um, thing. All right. I've gone on almost an hour. There are still four more questions. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pause. No, wait, there's more than four. Wait, one, two, three, four. No, there's four. Again, not good at math. I'm going to turn this into a part one and a part two. I did that last year. So I set a precedent with Epic Road Trip number one. Um, Thankfully, this year didn't turn into a part two because of a cockroach. But um, as a teaser to make you come back and listen to more. I'm doing my evil, evil hands. Ha 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 ha. ha 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 hands here. Um, this is my teaser. We planned a two week road trip. We ended up being gone for 24 days. So that is to be continued. (laughs) You will get to hear all about that part in part two. Before I sign off, I want to do my usual thing that I do, which is to say, which I already said, but I'm going to say it again. You can find me at oddlyadulting.com. You can find me on Instagram at oddlyadulting. You can email me directly at oddlyadulting at gmail.com. And if you found any value in this podcast, uh, you can turn that into a dollar amount and you can send it to me via PayPal. If you go to my website, oddlyadulting.com, there's a big button or tab or section at the top of the page that says donate. It takes you to a PayPal page. And you know, when I say, if you found any value in this, basically what I'm saying is, okay, you just spent an hour listening to me. What was the last thing that you did that cost you an hour of time? Was it a movie on Netflix? Was it um, coffee with a friend? Was it, um, let's see, was it a professional development seminar that you paid for? Just, you know, like stuff that you pay money to do. That's how value for value system works. So if you found any value in it, if you want to equate it to something else that you did for an hour and send some money my way, I'd be more than happy to accept it. I use that money to keep the lights on, proverbally speaking, um, around here. It costs money to host the podcast, so that's where that money goes. And I'm also working on um, purchasing some more equipment to uh, expand my co-hosting abilities via the phone. So that is one of my goals, um, to get going before the end of the year is to be able to have long distance, but still high quality recordings with co-hosts. 
So any money that you throw my way is going to be gone is going to be going to one of those two things. Um, also if this is the first time or if this is the first couple of times that you've listened because you came here, somebody sent you here to listen to my homeschooling stuff. Um, don't be dismayed. I'll talk about homeschooling again someday. Um, especially since I just started back for the year. Um, late because of my 17 turned 24 day road trip. But, um, I cover a variety of topics. That's why it's just called odd. It's an odd bag of topics. Um, but now I've hit the one hour mark, so it's really beyond time for me to go. So I will say what I always say, which is this. If you made it all the way to the end of this, you know what I'm going to say. I love you. And Jesus does too. And tune in for part two. Bye. The intro music is by Kevin McLeod. Winner, winner.